study of the Gospel of Luke. And we are now in the 18th chapter of Luke. Having finished up 17 last time, and again, all of these are available to you if you ever want to go back or if you want to catch up or repeat, they're available live stream uh, and on our website, uh, various different opportunities there should you desire that. Um, Today, our text is from Luke 18, our scripture reading from Luke 18, 1 through verse 17. Hear now the word of the Lord with careful appreciation and attention. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called 
them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever. Let's ask his blessing upon it. Father, once more, we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. Enlighten our minds and our hearts that we might receive your truth and that we might walk in your ways and we might be those who walk with persistence and humility and assurance. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. In today's passage, Jesus is on the road once more with his disciples and others that are following him, some of which, again, have very ill motives toward him. But nonetheless, he is for the last time now coming from the north, heading south to his final destination when he comes to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is going for the last time, journeying on the way toward Jerusalem where he will become the Son of Man that is lifted up. Jesus, as he goes, he's not there yet. He's continuing along the way to teach. And he's been teaching in a lot of different ways. One of those ways which we know is through parables. Jesus is still teaching as he goes, and he's using parables. Notice verse 1. Of our text, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So, this parable, and it's not just one as we see in our text, there are two of them, two parables that are designed to encourage and strengthen our prayers. So that we will be able to pray to our God in faithfulness. Now, think about this. False religions, in their instance, prayer is merely a part of a transaction transaction, a process in which the petitioner, in false religions, the petitioner attempts to blend the wheel of his deity to give him what he or she wants. It's a transaction. 
I give you something, I expect something in return. That's how false religions approach prayer. But prayer before God, as we're going to see, however, is the exact opposite. Why? God cannot be bribed or manipulated. He needs nothing, and so we can offer nothing that might convince him to do what you and I want him to do. That's how it works with the pagans. That's the way they try to work it, but not God's people. We know that our God needs nothing. There's no quid pro quo. Pray for persistence, pray for humility, and pray with assurance. Now, let's look at those. Uh, Pray with persistence is in basically chapter um, 18, verses 1 through 8. 1 through 8. Now, Jesus tells this parable about a widow who desperately needs justice. Um, She had already three strikes against her before she even started. What were they? First of all, sorry ladies, she was a woman. And 2,000 years ago, that was not a, an opportunity where you got to climb ladders very high. Uh, so that was it against her, trying to get this judge to give her justice. Uh, secondly, she was not only a woman, but she was a widow and had no man to appear for her or come alongside of her and help her on behalf as she went before the judge. And then thirdly, and this is probably the most important, she had no means or funds with which to bribe the unjust judge. Folks, if I, I, I've seen it, and I know you have too, but, and I've had recently experience in my family, not direct, but, but situations where you just think, how in the world... How in the world can this be so corrupt? How in the world can the judiciary be so corrupt where basically people are holding out and expecting bribes? It goes all the way up into the corridors of our highest places in the land as well. And here is this poor woman with three strikes against her before she ever starts. And in this parable, a great contrast is made between this unjust judge and the God of justice. And this woman has faith. She is still counting on her Savior and her God. The woman was bringing this financial case to the judge, and he refused to listen to it. He wouldn't even hear it. But 
She had one weapon. You know what that was? One really big playing card. Persistence. Persistence. She didn't know when to quit. And she wasn't going to lay down. She was not going to let it go. She was going to keep pressing and keep pressing in her persistence. It was the only weapon she had. Now, this widow would not, as I said, be quiet. She was like a dog on a bone, and she was not going to stop until she chewed that bone to oblivion. And finally, finally, because she wouldn't stop and she wouldn't quit, no matter what they tried to do to keep her away, she kept showing up at the door. She kept pounding on, asking for relief. And finally, this judge did what he should have done in the first place, and he gave her, unbelievably, a fair decision. Not because he was just, but he just wanted to get her out from under him and her incessant cries for justice. Now, if even a judge who does not honor the laws of God or the laws of his own land, if, if such can be induced to act by the incessant, incessant appeals of a widow, Jesus' point here is, if that's true of a human being that can be moved like that, how much more are you going to have the help of the Holy Spirit, of God himself? You see, how much more will God act to uphold his people when they cry out to him persistently. Now that doesn't mean that God's going to give you or me or such a woman or such a man what they want at all times. No. This is a to make a point of persistence in time. God will hold up and support and keep his people. This parable is an encouragement to continue into prayer right through all the difficulties of waiting that are waiting for you, that are in front of you, to keep on being persistent through all of that. Not necessarily expecting it all to get resolved now. We know that's not the case. Jesus himself said, then this world you will have tribulation. You're going to go through it. But in time, in good time, whether here or there, if you are persistent, God will be there with you and for you. And he will either provide the relief that you need now, or he will provide it ultimately when he comes again in the new kingdom. We may get some of that now. We may get 
a lot of it, and we will get so much more later. But in either case, we're called on, and this, this parable is encouraging us to be persistent. How quickly do we give up? We pray for something for a couple of times, then we give up. We feel discouraged. We try something and doesn't work. We don't get a result, and so we walk away from it. Jesus is saying, you've got a Father in heaven who loves you. Act like it. Act like he has your best interest on his great, big, amazing heart. Secondly, another parable Jesus teaches on that day, on that road that Luke is recording. Pray with humility. Not only with persistence, dogged persistence, but with humility. So important. That's in verses 9 through 14 of our scripture reading. Now, Luke transitions to another parable. But this time, not about a widow, but about a Pharisee and a tax collector. Now, these guys were bosom buddies. They really loved to get together and hang out. Right? Are you awake? No, of course not. This Pharisee despised, despised the tax collectors. There's nothing more loathsome, more putrid than a tax collector. These guys, tax collectors, were thieves from their own country. They had, were in cahoots with Rome, the despised Rome. And they were cutting deals and taking what they could get away with. They were despicable in the eyes of the Pharisees who were considered the highest and most noble of those in that time. You see, Jesus compared the prayers of the two men, though. In this parable, this story, he brings a side-by-side view of each. The Pharisee, of course, was where? Ranked. At the highest top. The tax collector. I mean you can't even find him. He's so low. He's down in a pit somewhere. Covered over. Loathsome. Sorry. Excuse for humanity that he is. You see. Both of them though. Jesus says in the parable, went to church. They went to temple. Of course, the Pharisee got up in his most prominent position to be able to let everyone know what a great guy he was. What a servant of God he was. 
So the first one, the Pharisee, as I said, stands up and brags to God about what? His righteousness. He did it right. He followed the rules. He was righteous. And God was very privileged to have him. As he saw it in his own blinded heart. In addition, he went the second mile. He didn't just do it the first time. He would go the second mile and earn brownie points. He would, he would do more than was required. And though he was required to fast only one day a year, he fasted twice a week. I only had to do that once, once a year. But no, he fasted twice every single week. And on top of it all, he even tied the tiniest little garden herbs that are that are. Have you ever tried to tried to uh, get herbs off of a, a little stick or something? They're, they're so tiny. He even tithed that. You're talking about a good tither, man. You would want him in your church. Surely, God was pleased to hear this man's. Righteous prayers. But there's somebody else in the frame over here on the other side. Where is he? The the Pharisee's prominent. Everybody can see him. He's all dressed to the nines. Where's the the tax collector, the publican? He's way over there, right on the very edge, as far away as you could get, but to still be there to call it, he's going to church, going to temple. He's trying to pray to his God, but he is so aware of his own unworthiness. He stays far off. You see, at a distance, there was the publican who was so aware of his sins that he did not dare lift up his head. He, he wouldn't even, he would, when he would pray, oh God, be a person, he wouldn't even look up. He would dare not look to the direction of his holy God because he knew how sinful he was. He prayed, pleading with God to have mercy on him over and over and over again. God, have mercy on me. And then he decided to give himself a name. A name fitting for his unworthiness before his God. You see, humility is seeing oneself as God sees him or her. Seeing ourselves the way God sees us. That's true humility. Not by the way we define it. 
You see, the tax collector, as I said, gave himself a one-word label that we all deserve. He teaches us something. And you know what that one-word label is? Sinner. Sinner! That's the only thing he could say before his God. I am an unworthy sinner. God be merciful to me. Notice how Jesus regards such a sinner. In verse 14, here's the contrast between these two. And here's how Jesus brings it to a point. I tell you this man, not the Pharisee, but the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. There it is. Once again, the right side, upside downness, it appears to the world of the kingdom of God. And yet, everything is flipped in the great reversal of the gospel that Jesus brings. Now, what about the prayer? To pray with assurance is the last. And that's in 15 through 17. Pray with assurance. Luke now gives us a description of an actual event. You notice so far, he's what? Given us two stories. One of the widow and the unjust judge and one of the Pharisee and the publican or the tax collector. So he's given us two parables to try to make some kingdom pinning points. Trying to make sure that we get and understand more about the nature of the kingdom and what it means to be in connection with our Father in prayer. But now, instead of another parable, you say, well, this one doesn't seem to fit with that. But it really does. If you think the larger around the edges, it does fit. You see, Luke now gives us a description of an actual event. And what is that actual event? It was people that were following him on the road from to Jerusalem that were listening to Jesus' teachings. And yet, all of a sudden, at some point out of nowhere, people start grabbing their children. And they're not children as in pretty grown children or growing up children. The word there is babies. Actually, infants or toddlers would get at it more accurately. So these were very young children. These were not children that were 10, 12 years old. These were, Luke makes it real clear, they are infants 
or perhaps at most toddlers. They'd be nursery level. They, wouldn't, they would still be in the nursery. Today, we would say, people were bringing these babies, these infants, these toddlers to Jesus. Now, of course, always, here come the disciples, ready to protect their master. And I'm sure their hearts were, were good. They were trying to, and they probably thought this was a good thing to do. They probably saw these toddlers as an unnecessary and loud distraction to Jesus. And so they decided to tell these parents, hey, pipe that kid down. Get him out of here. Don't you know that we have the rabbi of rabbis here? We can't hear what he's saying. Jesus was over there going, boy, guys, I'm, I'm really glad y'all have got, me, got my back here. No, of course not. Jesus does what? He rebukes them. What are you knuckleheads doing? What are you doing? You see, <laughs> they are basically... Jesus is saying to them, disciples, leave those kids alone. Leave those kids alone. The disciples saw the toddlers as a distraction. But why did Jesus say, "Uh uh-uh, I want them. I want them in my lap. I want them crawling all over me. I want to be near them. Because they're going to teach you something. Why? You see, after all, these little ones had nothing to bring to help their cause. They had very little by way of assets. They were more an impediment than an asset. And furthermore, they were likely not to even make it anyway. I'm talking about mortality. In that time, in those years that long ago, roughly only 50% lived, children, infants, lived past 10 years of age. Can you imagine that kind of mortality? These little shavers weren't going to get much anyway. Probably not even going to make it. Most of them aren't going to make it. Why in the world his disciples are, they don't want to bother with that. That's not not a lot of of, of, of gain. You know, mortality is going to take its course. But what they were and what they had was precious to Jesus. And you know what it was? Helplessness. 
Jesus loves that. He loves that. In children of every age, no matter how little compact or big you are. You see, Jesus, to him, helpless children were the poster child for the helplessness that builds the kingdom of God. People with with that much of nothing in my hands I bring. Top lady said in his hymn, but simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace, foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. I'm helpless. Helplessly hoping that Jesus will receive a little one like me. And it doesn't matter how big they are. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the foundation. That's my banner for the kingdom of God. Helplessness. That's getting people where they should be going because they are leaving their own strength behind and they're looking dependent, utterly dependent upon God. Such is the way the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, is built. So you see, They really are. Though they're two parables and the other's not a parable, they all are about what? What What's the focus? Persistence, humility, and an assurance that God cares for little ones and will ultimately provide for us here and then ultimately there. As he sees fit. Listen to verse 17. Truly I say to you. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God. Like a child. Shall not enter it. A child's total helplessness and dependence on others. Is the one who will be both receive and enter into the kingdom of God. One who has that helpless approach and dependence on God will be the one that receives God's blessing and will be able to enter into the kingdom. Is that true of you and me? Amen. Let's pray. Father, Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for not pushing us away, shoving us away. We are little ones. We are helpless, Lord, without and apart from you. Lord, you are our God. You are our righteousness. You are our everything. Lord, let our dependence, let it be 
be seen. Let our banner of wearing the shame of the word sinner and yet now know that Christ has come and taken away our sin and now we have peace with you. Oh, Father, for such great mercy, keep us dependent upon you and use us to advance your cause and your kingdom. Help us be persistent. Help us to be humble. And help us to be like those little ones that you receive. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.